Well, welcome to another edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, and so glad to have you along for the ride today uh, because we've got a lot of great things to talk about. But the name of the game, first and foremost, is going to be, well, I said the name of the game, kind of tip my hand as to one of the stories we're going to look at this hour. But uh, the name of the game here is getting real about the reality of what's happening in the world and how we can uh, take a look at eternity, that's eternity in a, in a bit more honest uh, fashion. Uh, the founder of the uh, news program at EWTN, and that would be Raymond Arroyo, who also a Fox News contributor, is going to join me uh, coming up in just a few moments to talk about uh, the World Over's name is his program on uh, EWTN. We're going to talk about uh, a, a brand new book of his that's designed ostensibly as a children's book, but it actually has um, some connotations that go far beyond that for us as Christians to get to know what's really happening with regard to life. Uh, it's called The Wise Men Who uh, Discovered Christmas. And uh, it's what we're going to, The Wise Men Who Found Christmas actually, is is going to teach us a lot about what we still need to know about the story of our faith. And, you know, it's interesting. In the culture that we're in right now, I, I've really, th- this is this is the first year for Lisa and me that we are approaching the Christmas holiday without a set church home, per se. We have visited several churches in our new neck of the woods. Uh, we find that uh, more often than not, our worship uh, consists of watching Oak Cliff Bible Fellowship online. Uh, Pastor Tony Evans has been great for that standpoint, and it's been uh, it's been a benefit for us for a lot of different reasons. But it's interesting because I realize that gear, gearing up for the Christmas season, there are a lot of things that have been traditions in our family for years. I mean, especially my kids grew up at Lutheran Church of the Cross. And even as they got married and moved on, when it came to Christmas Eve, it was always we're coming back here. Easter Sunday, we're coming back here. I was involved in ministry. And now that all of us, my son Jake is teaching at Lisa Vio Christian School. But uh, uh, Emily and Brian moved to Texas. Kane and Kevin have been church shopping. And so we, we were even just having the conversation when we all getting together, knowing that it did not surround us going to church together. It just involved us being together. And it got me thinking about traditions and what churches do. I've been very curious to uh, look online and watch TV and radio and hear from other people what their church traditions are going to be. And I'm very curious to see how many churches have changed things up a little bit after the pandemic. I understand. I mean, churches technically were open in 2020 and in 2021, but this is the first time we're really coming into it where I think the the population has a pretty good feel now for what is expected. You know, I mean, everyone should you know be a little more mindful if you're not feeling great to keep your distance. If you want to wear a mask to keep yourself from spreading any kind of spittle or you know breathing and sneezing on people, that's fine. The mask doesn't necessarily protect you from catching it from them so much as it protects you if you've got it from spraying it all over other people fair enough um but then when you look at you know the the christmas traditions and you ask the question well how about you know why we've done what we've done Um, there's a new pastor at my former church and he has the unenviable task of uh you know looking at all of the so-called sacred cows and deciding which ones are going to wind up on the grill uh you know that old expression sacred cows make the best tasting burgers but there are a lot of traditions that we hold on to because they're important and other traditions we hold on to because they're traditions. And Raymond Arroyo's book is going to shatter uh, some of our myths about the wise men in the Christmas story um, when we have our conversation that's coming up just around the corner. But one thing I, I realized that, you know, we have this mandate to go into all the world and, and preach the gospel. 
with the World Cup um, taking place uh, right now, as a matter of fact, um, Pastor Aaron Treadway was on with me on Monday's program. And Pat, uh, Aaron is a soccer player, grew up in California. Now he's based in Cleveland, but his wife is South African. He's got a very international approach to life and ministry at his church. And he actually is the co-founder of a professional soccer team in Cleveland. He played, he coached. Uh, now he said his involvement in soccer is watching the World Cup on TV and um, uh, coaching a bunch of five-year-olds when they play it. But he made a, a, a comment about the World Cup final that's coming up this Sunday, and that is half of the world's population is expected to tune in for some or all of the match. Half of the world's population. Now think about that for a moment. I know a lot of our friends here in the U.S. have been kind of poo-pooing uh, the soccer match because they're, you know, looking at this and saying, well, you know, soccer's boring. You know, one to nothing or zero-zero tie and then they go to penalty kicks. How boring is that? That's like having a free-throw shooting contest to see who's going to win. Well, I mean, if you compare American football to international football, there are some components of American football that seem like they're rough and tumble and, you know, boom, crash, bang, and 80-yard pass, you throw it and catch it and run and whatever. When you watch the beautiful game, as it's referred to in soccer, there's something about the game that draws people in, and it definitely has an international appeal. It's a very physically demanding sport. It's one of the sports where you you wear shin guards and cleats as your protection. Other than that, it's just a... A jersey and shorts and, you know, undergear. And and it's basically, you know, the, the you run a lot. And the it's a round ball, so you don't know where it's going to go. But it's just a sport that captivates people. I like the fact that there may be a few shots on goal throughout the course of the match. But when it's all said and done, there, the fact that it is a rather low-scoring affair, I think is it, it, it's, it's beneficial. Sometimes we like to... Uh, drown our sorrows or cover our wounds in excesses. And in a soccer match, you could see something that goes one nothing after 95 minutes of intense back and forth, and I'm talking about 90 minutes of regulation and maybe five minutes of stoppage time. But the fact that so many people are tuned in, I hope that the American church is not missing out on an opportunity to evangelize. One pastor who definitely is not is a guy called Jesse Bradley. This is a guy who's been following a global outreach during the World Cup. He's the pastor at Grace Community Church in Auburn, Washington. And he gave an interview recently to CBN's Faithwire, where he uh, was actually talking about something that, um, that is a, a great way to share the gospel using a digital campaign that has been created by uh, an organization that we are rather fond of here at the Bottom Line Show, Global Media Outreach. This is a group that says, hey, look, if 83% of the world's population has a mobile device or a cell phone, at least at the very least a cell phone, they can access this content. And what Jesse Bradley has done is he says, we are creating content where we share the gospel. He says, I share my story. And we're doing so, we're reaching millions of people but we're getting folks who are announcing first-time decisions for the Lord uh, in partnering with global media outreach. We're finding that people not only you know, receive the gift of salvation, but then there's a discipleship component that goes along with it as well. Several million people have been reached, and so far more than 18,000 people worldwide 
are using this outreach to come to faith in Christ. Now, I, it's one of the things I love about the ministry of Preborn that we work with as well. Here's an ultrasound company or a company that uh, ministry that focuses on getting ultrasound machines into pregnancy health centers. So women who are expecting babies uh, can actually get the kind of care that they need either to become mothers or to take the child to term and release for adoption. And what Preborn does, it's the same type of thing. Not only do they, they'll save 90,000 kids this year, but more than 10,000 women will come to faith in Christ because of what they see in those preborn ultrasounds. By the way, we still have a matching gift in place thanks to Dennis Wilson. We want to get another ultrasound in, in a preborn health center before Christmas. And your gift right now at 833-850-BABY, $28, saves one life. Or you can give a $100 gift, $200, $500, We still need about $6,500 to get one more ultrasound machine in a preborn clinic before Christmas. Will you help us? Your dollar for do- your gift is matched dollar for dollar. 833-850-BABY is the number to call. 833-850-2229. Or just go to kbrightradio.com, rogermarsh.com, look for the preborn banner, click on the banner, and make your best donation there. See, whether it's 18,000 World Cup soccer fans praying to receive Christ because of uh, the work of one pastor in uh, uh, the Pacific Northwest or... Uh, a group of pregnancy resource centers, pregnancy health centers with ultrasound machines that are saving babies' lives but also saving their moms' souls. It's amazing how God uses the Internet and one other key component too. When Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to the Father but through me, he was pronouncing that he is the gold standard when it comes to truth and telling the truth. Is it possible that we have gotten so used to our Christmas traditions that we might have been telling one of the stories of the Christmas story incorrectly all this time. When you sing, We Three Kings of Orient Are, Bearing Gifts We Travel Afar, what if I told you that the wise men weren't kings? What if I told you that they weren't from the Far East, that they were actually only a couple miles away from the manger? Well, don't just take my word for it. Raymond Arroyo has written a book about this. Raymond is a New York Times bestselling author, international broadcaster and producer. He is the founding director, the founding news director of the EWTN News and the host of The World Over Live and a regular contributor to Fox News. He has done a year's worth of research that he puts into one children's book called The Wise Men Who Found Christmas. We've got a link for that book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Raymond Arroyo joins me next as The Bottom Line continues. When you're injured in an accident, you just want to be treated like a human being. But when you are denied what you need to make a quick and full recovery, it can feel dehumanizing. Stephanie Cover puts her client's total healing first, and that means fighting for a settlement that respects you as a human being. The insurance companies don't necessarily care about why you need a settlement, but they know that it means they will lose money. Stephanie will stand up for a dollar amount that values your life and the full process of your complete restoration. Even when the insurance companies are doing their best not to pay you, you have a leg up because Stephanie Covery used to work for those same insurance companies. Getting you well positioned for your full physical, financial, and spiritual recovery is Stephanie's goal in working with you. Save her number now or call 877-214-4935. That's 877-214-4935. Then fill out a contact form at kbrightradio.com slash coverlaw. Stephanie Cover, she knows the other side. Well, today here, bottom line, an annual Christmas tradition, a visit with one of our favorite authors, especially for the books that he is writing for a younger audience, but anybody who is, well, let's say, children and uh, the children at heart. 
a brand new Christmas book by Raymond Arroyo called The Wise Men Who Found Christmas is up at thebottomlineshow.com. Raymond Arroyo, New York Times bestselling author, international broadcaster and producer. He's the founding news director of EWTN News and the host of The World Over Live. And you also see him as a contributor for Fox News, has been on CNN and the Associated Press. Raymond Arroyo, welcome back to The Bottom Line Show. Oh, Roger, thank you for having me. Merry Christmas. And Merry Christmas to you as well and to your family also. Uh, we're going to get into this kind of almost sounds like a Fox News type of exclusive the untold story of the yes. wise men <laughs> let's let's get let's get into it because first and foremost i think there are a lot of people who have a lot more interest in getting the actual facts about the christmas story but also too there are some people who uh, really need to hear this message. well you know what happens roger culture and time have a way of uh adding to and embellishing these stories we love and sadly in the case of the wise men and, you know, let's face it, just for your audience, in South America, in the Eastern Church, so through most of the East, they don't celebrate Christmas on December 25th. Right. They celebrate it on January 6th mm -hmm. when the wise men found the Christ child, the Feast of the Epiphany, the original January 6th, I like to say. <laughs> yes, right. yes, yes, yes. Uh, and they, uh, so I started looking into the things we know. You know the song, which captures the cultural understanding of the wise men. We three kings of Orient are. Mm -hmm. uh, they, no, they aren't. There were not three of them. They were not from the Far East. And they very likely were more than three of them. Mm. Okay. okay. Uh, and they weren't kings at all. So as I dug into this, I thought, well, who are they? And just to give your audience a quick rundown. The names and the king stuff, the fact that they were kings or the, the story that they were kings, and those three names we've come to know, Melchi or Caspar, Balthazar, those were created by a guy named Venerable Bede in the 7th century. Hmm. So that's 600 years after Jesus, 700 years after Jesus. Um, so uh, all the early sources tell you something very different. Justin Martyr, Clement of Rome, you know, the first century sources, they say the wise men came from Arabia, Arabia. So once, so they are from the east, the immediate east of Jerusalem on the other side of the Dead Sea. Mm -hmm. So suddenly I thought, wait a minute, the gospel account is still correct, but the story has shifted. So let's find out who these guys really are. So well, I began an eight month exploratory research project to wow. figure out who they were. And uh, what emerged for me was an adventure story for the family, uh, a high stakes adventure story where these men were willing to put their lives at risk to go find this Messiah, this savior. Um, and, and it's a buddy movie. It's kind of a fun buddy movie, uh, which the royal procession routine never quite gave me. You know, they're kind <laughs> of passive uh, back. You know, they're, they're like bit players in the backdrop. In the mm -hmm. in the story we that's been handed down to us but the question is why did matthew open his gospel with them why would they start a gospel with these three wise guys and their prophecy why well first of all he was writing for a jewish audience so that's mm -hmm. a clue and the gifts are a huge clue of where they came from exactly right. which i can get into if you'd like yeah well let's do that raymond arroyo is with me today here on the bottom line and we're talking about a children's book if you can believe it i mean i, and I mean that sincerely because oftentimes what we find with children's books raymond the, the illustrations here are beautiful diane fair did a wonderful oh, job gorgeous. with them they're, they're, it's stunning it the book reads like 
an animated big screen adventure. And I would imagine at some point, well, we could get into that later. Yeah. But let, let's get into the, the 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 nuts and bolts of the story because I'm sure there are some of us grandparents who are saying, oh, this looks like a nice book to read to my grandkids. Wait, what? Eight months worth of research? What? I thought it was supposed to have, you know, 16, 16 well, pages, some really great pictures that tell the story, and a few words at the bottom the kids can follow along with. Well, Roger, my first obligation, and I will tell you, whenever I write, I, I the first question I ask is, is, does the audience need this, and who is the audience for this work? And I thought anybody who loves Christmas, anybody who celebrates Christmas, any Christian, they're going to want to know this story. And then my second obligation is to entertain my readers. And a big portion of that audience are children who are the hardest readers to write for. So mm -hmm. it is an entertaining, very fun read. I'm just giving you the foundational research. Some of this you can put in. Some of it you have to add to the author's note, which I did. It explains the madness of my pursuit here. But what you will get is the wise men's story in the proper historic context. They they live in Petra, the modern-day Petra, the kingdom of Nabatea is what it was called. Now, Raymond, why would you set it there? Those three gifts, frankincense, gold, myrrh, Roger, they were only created and the, the people who cornered the market on those three items at that time in the ancient world were the kingdom of Nabatea. Gold, the King Solomon's mines, the mines of Midian, King, King Aratas of, of Nabatea controlled them. Frankincense and myrrh were also made only in the kingdom of Nabatea from southern Arabian trees. They're made from tree sap. So once I saw that, I thought, of course, he sends out the hottest commodity, from the kingdom of Nabatea to pay tribute to what he thinks is Herod's son. The king mm. of Nabatea thinks he's sending his wise men to pay tribute to the newborn king of Herod, Herod's right. new grandson or son. That's why they go to Herod first. And that's the way in the old world. And they're trying to keep peace between these kingdoms, which were not at peace. So that backdrop suddenly changes the entire story. Yeah, it certainly does. And for those of us who have grown up with the narrative of the wise men and and uh, coming from the east and how many children's pageants have you seen raymond arroyo where you oh. know, you got little little boys and girls with the cardboard beards and the whole and the, the, whole and shot. the crowns I, mean, oh, I was yeah. one of those kings i was one of those kings roger <laughs> but this story helps and the the other falsehood here is and even in our little nativity scenes under the tree i've got my tree behind me here in my office uh the the, the three wise men are there hanging out on the edges of the nativity scene they right. wouldn't have come to the nativity, Roger. They didn't come for this child. They didn't reach the Christ child in Bethlehem. The gospel says they went to a house. They didn't go to a cave. They didn't go to a, a, a you know, a, 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 out in the wilderness. They went to a house in Bethlehem. This is months, probably two years after the birth of Christ. So that timeline is in the gospel, if you read it closely. And we've forgotten about it. And history reinforces it for us. I'm talking with Raymond Arroyo today here on The Bottom Line. His brand new children's book is literally for the entire family. It's called The Wise Men Who Found Christmas. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. I am encouraged, Raymond, I mean, to talk about that. You mentioned the timeline. It's nice to see more and more people questioning, okay, when exactly was Jesus born? When exactly did yeah. these events happen? And, you know, it's really easy for us to forget. Paul's writing one of his epistles and he was in prison for two years. And then we kind of move on like, wait, what? Okay. Hold on a second. You right. know, this is, we, we, we read this in real time for us. And for, we forget that God's well, God's eternal. So, I mean, that's, that's just for our benefit. Right. But 
What else are we missing in the wise men story well, that we will find in the wise men who found Christmas? Well, as you know, the gospel opens with it. It's only 12 verses, Roger. What 12 verses where in an ancient writing where people mentioned where thousands of years later, we're still commemorating them, remembering them, observing them and recreating them. Hardly any. So they must have some significance and a large significance. So I, I consulted with a woman named Margaret Barker, and many others subscribe to this, and it's a theory, but it's a really good, smart one. Margaret translates for the Jordanian government, the Israeli authority, Cambridge-educated, brilliant woman, first-century mm -hmm. scholar, um, but really brilliant. And Margaret has a suggestion that I think may be true. These wise men are either Persian priests in exile in this kingdom of Nabatea, because the Zoroastrians, the Persians, modern-day Iran, they have a belief in a Messiah who comes and vanquishes evil and raises the dead. That's in Zoroaster's writings. So, yes, that would have been floating around. But they wouldn't have been necessarily immersed in Jewish prophecies of a Messiah, would they? Hmm. So it begs the other question. 700 years before Jesus, there is a first temple priesthood, the royal priesthood, the order of Melchizedek. They are expelled from the temple 700 years before Jesus, that royal priesthood. They go into exile. Where? Arabia, the mm -hmm. kingdom of Nabatea. Their descendants may very well be serving the king there. They are immersed in the prophecies, awaiting the return of the old, day, old ways and the Messiah. When they see the star, they will give their life to go touch and see this child. So they go. And the three gifts again pop up, Roger, because... Margaret sends me to Philo of Alexandria. You can look this up. First century, right? Right during the time of Jesus, a historian. Philo says, there are three markings of that old priesthood, that first temple priesthood. Gold was in the vestments of the priests. They burned incense in their temples. And most importantly, myrrh oil was kept in the Holy of Holies. Why? To anoint new members of the royal priesthood and kings. So now suddenly, if you consider all of this, the wise men may have been really wise and have a religious mission to not just do a gift drop by, but to anoint the last royal priest, the final eternal priest of that first testament, first temple priesthood and restore the first temple. It's that to me is mind blowing and mm -hmm. elevates this story to a whole new level. And now you see why he opens the story with the maybe. Such a great conversation today here on The Bottom Line. Raymond Arroyo is my guest. The book is called The Wise Men Who Found Christmas. There's a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com and a special announcement about this book on the other side of this break as The Bottom Line continues. Ask about Dennis Wilson's exclusive 6% CD alternative. This unique real estate-backed investment has continued to perform exceptionally well in good times and in bad. I just reviewed a client file, and it really felt bad because in reviewing the file, I realized that if they had followed the advice they had received, if they'd have put the money in the CD alternative, as I had recommended, they would have earned enough to build a church in Africa. Instead, the money is still in the bank, earning nothing but dust. I realized how important it is to know it's God's money and we're just a good steward of it. One simple idea on the CD alternative would build a church in Africa. 
honoring God and their clients by stewarding their money well. Call 800-696-9970. That's 800-696-9970. Or fill out the contact form at kbrightradio.com slash Wilson Financial for simply better alternatives. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Raymond Arroyo is my guest, Fox News contributor, author of the outstanding book for children of all ages called The Wise Men Who Found Christmas, The True Story of what happened with the three wise men and traveling for the East. We've got a copy of the book to give away. That was a special announcement. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. is the number to get you through to the bottom line show. And thank you for uh, being that person who calls in and says, I want that book. I want to know the truth. By the way, I want to thank Teresa from Huntington Beach for a $28 donation to Preborn. Phil and San Juan Capistrano, a $280 donation to Preborn. Those gifts right there, that's one child saved and 10 children saved as well. We have a goal of saving over 1,000 children through Preborn. And by the way, every donation that comes in up to the next $6,500 is getting doubled by a match thanks to Dennis Wilson at Wilson Financial Services. Uh, 833-850-BABY is the number to call to make your donation. A $250 donation becomes $500 as you're planning your charitable contributions for the end of the year. It's a great tax-deductible donation, and it literally saves lives. 833-850-BABY is the number to call. 833-850-BABY. 2229 or go to kbrightradio.com and hit the pre-born banner and make your best donation today. We're going to take a quick break here and when we come back, more of my conversation with Raymond Arroyo. As you are getting ready to celebrate Christmas, please know the last thing I want to do is mess up your kids' preschool pageant. You know, I really don't. I mean, I hate being the one who says, hey, angels don't look like three-year-old girls you know, or precious moments figurines or whatever. They're warriors. They do battle. But I do, and I can't stress this enough as a pastor, how important it is as a parent, as a grandparent, I can't stress how important it is that we make sure we get the story straight, that we get the story correct, that we in the body of Christ are telling the truth about the incarnation, the truth about how Jesus came uh, to bear and all the surrounding elements, too. There are people who will say, well, Jesus was an immigrant and he was a refugee, and so we should be treating immigrants and refugees the way Jesus was. And if you read the scriptural story, you'll see, well, did he go to Egypt? Yes. Did he hang out there for a little bit? Yes. But then he came back home. I mean, there's a big difference between I'm going to hang out for a little bit and I'm going to a new land to set up a home. Uh, there are a lot of things that we get right about the the gospel narrative and also the Christmas story, but the thing I appreciate about Raymond Arroyo with grace and humility and with a great enthusiasm is his exhortation for the church saying, wait, we didn't get this right. We haven't gotten this right. And this is one area where we have fallen into a cultural trap of saying, okay, we all know that this is what the wise men did. We all know that this is the way the story, you know, the cattle are lowing, the poor baby wakes, the little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. Okay, that's a beautiful sentiment. Of course he cried. He's a baby for crying out loud. He's a human being. Human babies cry. It's what they do. And then they grow and they eat and they have diaper changes. I mean, that that's a, a part of it. There are some small story, parts of the story that we can, okay, fine. But this is a big one. Uh, more of my conversation with best-selling New York Times author Raymond Arroyo on The Wise Men Who Found Christmas. Coming up next as The Bottom Line continues. 
Bless your children with the help you've always wanted to give them. Newport Bay Mortgage works with your unique circumstances to explain the benefits of a reverse mortgage in today's market. Act now and provide for your family in need by gifting them a fraction of the fruits of your labor. With Newport Bay Mortgage, you can clarify the advantages of a reverse mortgage in your specific situation with professional insights on the current market. Sharing the rewards of a reverse mortgage is a valuable act of service that helps your loved ones establish valuable financial security for the future. Use the gift from your home to contribute towards God's work and plans by blessing your family in need with real financial help. Make up your mind today to make a difference in the lives of those who mean the most to you. Start by calling Newport Bay Mortgage at 714-741-8080, 714-741-8080. Visit kbrightradio.com slash reverse or NMLS 332959. Newport Bay Mortgage is an equal opportunity housing lender. Raymond Arroyo is the New York Times bestselling author of the Will Wilder series from Random House. He's an international broadcaster and producer. You've probably seen him on one of your favorite Fox News shows. He's also the founding news director of EWTN News and the host of The World Over Live. He joins me today here on the bottom line to talk about his brand new book. I'm going to stop calling it a children's book, Raymond. I mean, I hope you don't a mind. A family read. There you go. I call yeah. it a family read, Roger, because I write for the child today and children love it. I've re- I just read it at the Museum of the Bible to a kids it was hilarious we had a great time kids love it adults are coming away with a very different story and that's what i write for both generations the child today and the grown child tomorrow i love it the wise men who found christmas is the name of the book and we've got a link for it up at the bottomlineshow.com I mentioned earlier raymond in our conversation it's very cinematically done with the beautiful artwork from diane lafayre talk about uh, what what's what are the next steps i don't want to make this a product pitch movie but but, i mean this does seem like i mean for anybody who liked prince of egypt or anything like that they would love this on the big screen any talk about doing anything well i i would like to see it adapted i'm talking to a few people um and we'll see what happens pray for that i'd like to see it i think it would be a, a great and fun um story that again is entertaining to modern audiences and they're wonderful subplots. And look, the characters really came alive when I started to write this. And you look, you do take you do take um, literary license here and there. For instance, sure. Pope Benedict has a wonderful book on the nativity. And in the middle of it is the theological observation that the wise men, the, the, they were not so much, or the star was not so much directing the wise men as the Christ child was directing the star. Hmm. And I was so moved and kind of, touched by that that we did realize that in the illustrations you see where they they approach the house and the light's not going down from the star but up from the house which Mm. i sort of liked to the star um again those little artistic touches um i think enlarge everybody's concept of who and what this is Mm -hmm. and the the grandeur and the wonder and the awe of this story and at a time when people are trying to i think leech all out of our children's lives and mm-hmm. snatch away wonder during Christmas, I want to try to do the opposite and restore it and uplift it and spread a little wonder because we need that in our lives. Thank God you, Raymond. and the world is bigger than we are. Raymond, thank you. Thank you for, for protecting the innocence of children and, and striving to do so in each of the last three books that you've written, at least for our purposes here on the Bottom Line Show, in terms of saying, we want that awe, we want that wonder, we want that innocence. Because every time I hear someone in the culture say, boy, this is an amazing cup of coffee or, wow, that was awesome. And they just throw it away like it's a, a casual euphemism rather than saying, no, wait a minute, we worship God in awestruck wonder. 
and mm -hmm. and that's what that that's part of what makes the Christmas season such a special and, and joyous occasion when our families who are listening to this conversation right now get the wise men who found Christmas and read it together as a family we do want to hear the those little kid gasps you know that's just like yeah. oh my goodness I mean that's I, I know you could hear that when you were writing it um, what led you here I mean was it a progression because we've talked about you know the spider we've talked about you know your last yeah. two books now what where where is God leading you, Raymond Arroyo? I mean, well, this is kind I, of look, I'm, I'm, I love writing for family audiences. I do. And because I don't write down to, to them. I don't write down to children. I don't write down to adults. You have to kind of, and that's why I spend the time researching these projects, because I want to be able to share something new that will be exciting and fun and rollicking and, and, and wondrous and adventurous for kids. But speak to life and bespeak life lessons and 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 even even uh, things we can't see eternal truths to adults so you you're working on two levels i have a new series coming out in march from harper collins and it's called turnabout tales hmm. and it is going to focus on crisis points in great american lives when these people were young a moment when that life could have really come to a grinding halt and a decision was made. Our log line is challenges faced, paths changed, history altered. Because wow. that is what happens when the right decision is made in the moment by children, by their family, by their parents. And uh, the first book is about Thomas Edison. And uh, it is, I can't go into it all, but it's a great <clears throat> story it's the the unexpected light of thomas alva edison so that's mm. coming out and i have three more i've written that are in the wings but that series is really special to me and close to my heart um and again it's it's a family read but people say well you i hate when people say you're writing books for kids yes it's the highest form of literature because hopefully that child will read the book to their child someday and yes. it will shift on them as children's literature shifted on me, Roger, when I read my children, Peter Pan or Treasure Island, those stories totally transformed when I was an adult because your experience of them with the limited experience of a child is very different. You're taking right. the ride, but you can't quite see beyond the set pieces. Mm -hmm. As an adult, you can't. And and I appreciate the, the the journey that you've gone on and are also taking us on as well with your writing series. Raymond Arroyo, my guest today here on The Bottom Line, The Wise Men Who Found Christmas is the fascinating new family book uh, that we've got up at thebottomlineshow.com. Raymond, a couple of minutes left in our time together here. Sure. What encouragement do you have for our listeners, maybe those of us who uh, have a little more snow on the uh, on the chimney, <laughs> as it were, a little more dust on the bottle, and and we've kind of lost that awe. We've kind of lost that wonder. What, what? How do we rekindle that sense of wonder in our lives? Well, I think you do it by focusing anew and going the same way the wise men pursued the truth. And it's really the lesson they gave me in writing this book. What I discovered is two things, and, and maybe it's something we can all profit from. The wise men kept their eyes where? Upward, not on the things of the earth, but on the things of God. They were looking for a light. They were waiting for an answer. They spent years, generations staring upward, waiting for God to move and give them some sign. That is where our orientation should be at Christmas, not on the things of the earth and the last minute sales and the getting the menu right, but on the things of God. So and the second part of it is 
don't let Christmas wash over you. Don't let the season hit you like a wave and recede. You have to, when the light presents itself, like the wise men, and I love in the middle spread of the book, Diane LaFayer in her beautiful illustration here, and you're right, it's like an animated movie. You see the three wise men on those Arabian horses running out after the Christ child. They're running through the desert in the darkness, by the way, because the star has gone out. And they're and that's in the gospel, too. And they're racing toward the, the, the their destination. They're going to Herod's palace. Well, they're racing to Bethlehem. Um, and I thought to myself, this is how every Christmas should be for us. We shouldn't let it wash over us. But when the light shines, you run out and you find Christmas. Mm-hmm. You discover it anew. And we have to have that. And there's an adult lesson from a from a family read, but it's an important one. Uh, by the way, Arabian horses were introduced to the kingdom of Nabatea a hundred years before Jesus and was the Tesla of the day. So clearly <laughs> the wise men would not, they would have packed the camels with the freight and the heavy pack, but they would have moved ahead of the caravan on yeah. horses. And it was only a three day journey around the Dead Sea. So yeah. uh, again, the history, the geography, the uh, archeology span all begins to inform the reality of the story and it changes that story. And I think makes it more rich, more important, more exciting for all of us. Raymond Arroyo, our time always goes by much too quickly. We're so grateful for the work that uh, God has led you to do and putting this book together. We're grateful for the work you continue to do with EWTN and the world over and all of your uh, contributions to uh, the different media outlets that you have. But this book writing, boy, I'm so glad to hear that we get a chance to chat with you again coming in the spring with your brand new HarperCollins series. But for now, thank you for the wise men who found Christmas. We've got it linked up at thebottomlineshow.com. And Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to you and yours from all of us Merry Christmas line. to you, Roger. Thank you for having me on the bottom line. And, and uh, everybody can go to RaymondArroyo.com. I've got one more signing coming up and uh, you can get autographed editions and find a preview of the book there. Well, our annual visit with Raymond Arroyo comes to a conclusion here today here on The Bottom Line. And the book, The Wise Men Who Found Christmas, is up at thebottomlineshow.com. We have one copy of this book to give away, and you are going to want it. Even if you don't have kids or grandkids, you're going to want it. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. If you want more in-depth study of the wise men, who they were, Were they kings? Did they come from the Far East? Did it take them two years to get there? All sorts of things that we have grown up with as part of our uh, anecdotal uh, Christmas uh, storytelling. We're all about to be laid to rest in this brand new book by Raymond Arroyo, but I think you're going to enjoy it. The Wise Men Who Found Christmas up at thebottomlineshow.com. One copy to give away, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, is the number to get you through to the bottom line. As we continue, a look at more wise men and transportation and journeys that aren't necessarily what we were told they were, but it's important for us to know those stories as well. We'll talk about that coming up next as the bottom line continues. Roger Marsh here. Just want to take a moment to thank you for the outstanding support that you've shown to our friends at Preborn. Up to this point, we have a remarkable report to share with you. Uh, Preborn last year placed 25 ultrasound machines in pregnancy health centers all over the country. And this year, they're going to add one more. Thanks to bottom line listeners, you have raised over $15,000 for the purpose of putting an ultrasound machine in a pregnancy health center. 
But there's more. You've also raised enough money to save the lives of 240 babies. That's right. Their moms come into a preborn clinic. For every 100 women who come in, 83 will have an ultrasound and see the baby's image and decide, oh, my gosh, that's my son. That's my daughter. They hear the heartbeat, and they get excited either to become new parents or to become parents who will release those children for adoption. Your $28 donation makes this possible. A $280 donation means that 10 babies' lives are saved. $2,800 will save 100 babies. $1,400 will save 50. Now give us a call at 833-850-BABY. That's 833-850-2229. Or go to kbrightradio.com or rogermarsh.com today. You'll see a pre-born banner. Click on that banner and make your donation. It takes less than 28 seconds to make a $28 donation that will save a baby's life. Contact Preborn right now. My thanks again to Fox News contributor and also the uh, uh, the founding director of the uh, uh, EWTN News and the host of The World Over Live on the EWTN, uh, Raven Arroyo, who's been a regular contributor every year at Christmas time. Uh, he's had three different books that we've profiled over the past three years. His latest is called The Wise Men Who Found Christmas. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com and now until the top of the hour, 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. We have one copy of this book. And if you are looking to receive it before Christmas, if you give us a ring, we'll be happy to uh, get that prize pack out to you. And you should get it through the regular postal service in time for having to be able to read on Christmas. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. One copy of The Wise Men Who Found Christmas by Fox News contributor Raymond Arroyo. Now, I mentioned before the break that there's another story in the news that has to do with wise men and traveling and not necessarily getting the whole story, as it were. Um, I think I finally figured out how to pronounce his last name. Uh, Pete Buttigieg is the Secretary of uh, Department of Transportation in the United States. So this is a guy who rose to prominence for a couple of different reasons. First and foremost, when America was desperate, uh, it's or, or so it seemed, for uh, leadership from different walks of life. Pete Buttigieg, uh, formerly the mayor of South Bend, Indiana, uh, rose to fame as a Democrat, as a liberal Democrat, and as one who is involved in a same-sex relationship. So Mr. Buttigieg uh, gained notoriety during the 2020 presidential campaign. A lot of people were saying, well, this guy could be the first gay president. And the reason was, quite frankly, because he looks like kind of a Midwestern, simple, white type of guy, non-threatening, young enough to attract the younger voter, uh, conservative-looking, even though he's kind of been radicalized like a lot of people in the Democrat Party have done as well. But he uh, was given a prominent place in the Biden administration cabinet. He was named the uh, secretary of the Department of Transportation. And a lot of people were wondering, well, and, and I ask this in all sincerity, uh, based on what? Um, <laughs> you know, the, sometimes you'll see an ambassadorship, for example, be assigned to someone. And it turns out that they were a major donor to the presidential campaign of the person who won. And next thing you know, they're the U.S. ambassador to the Bahamas or something like that. You know, they get a celebratory title. They get to go to state dinners and pose for pictures. And that's what it is. Now, obviously, the Department of Transportation has a huge responsibility in the United States. And so the question as to whether or not Pete Buttigieg was going to be qualified to handle that, I think was a fair question. If the roles had been reversed, if this were President Trump or DeSantis, 
And Pete Buttigieg was a conservative Republican, and he had been the mayor of, I mean, South Bend, Indiana is not a huge market. As a matter of fact, let me take a look at uh, the, the number. Well, I'll Google this while we're having this conversation. The, uh, looking at the Nielsen market rankings for, uh, you know, who is where. Um, it's very interesting to see where South Bend even lies because, I mean, rolling down, not in the top 50, or not in the top 40, rather. Uh, rolling down here, looking, I don't see it in the top 80. No, 83. Uh, is it in the top 100? There, there's a method to the madness here. Um, I'm still looking to see South Bend, that's 128, it's not there. Uh, Palm Springs, 133, Reading, Pennsylvania, Springfield, Missouri, where I have family. Um, just looking down there. Uh, there. There's a reason for <laughs> taking a I got to number 171, still don't see South Bend. And now we're getting into powerhouses. There we go. San Luis Obispo, by the way, in our listing area, 172. South Bend, Indiana is the 185th largest media market in the country. The metro area population, which does not reflect the population of the whole city, 231,000 people. Now, typically, you find someone who comes from a slightly larger place to make a bigger footprint. But President Biden felt comfortable that after having been the mayor for one term in South Bend, Indiana, Pete Buttigieg would make a suitable secretary of transportation. It seemed pretty harmless. You know, the roads are the roads. Whatever's going to happen is going to happen. And then inflation hit. Then oil prices went crazy. And then all of a sudden, Pete Buttigieg was everywhere. And you remember what he was saying earlier this year. I'm paraphrasing here because there were many interviews where he said, well, you know what? If gas prices are going up, good. They should go up. Matter of fact, people should feel the pain because we need to make the conversion from fossil fuels to electric cars uh, to burn cleaner. And that's an argument that those in the green technology world have been making for the past several years. Now, this is one of those cognitive dissonance moments where we in the body of Christ can say, hey, you know what? I believe that we have some common ground here. We can agree on the fact that we as human beings have been charged by God with the responsibility of caring for all creation. That means we care for plants and animals. We care for the environment. We also care for people. Oftentimes you'll find that some of the folks who are the most passionate about protecting the ozone layer, for example, are also passionate about killing off the preborn and euthanizing the elderly. That's a gross overgeneralization. But if you look at the policies, they would not specifically say that by word. And I know someone's going to send me an email saying, no one's ever specifically. I know, I know. I mean, if you want to search Google for hours and find one of those or search it for minutes, I'm sure you can find a quote with someone refuting that. But by and large, when you look at policies, especially attached to Democrat politics, you find that they have no trouble killing off the elderly. They have no trouble killing off preborn babies. But when it comes to the environment or baby seals or the Delta smelt, which is, by the way, a little fish in California that very few people have seen over the past decade, and yet we flush millions of waters, uh, millions of gallons of water into the ocean every year, trying to make sure we don't eliminate the Delta smelt that may have already been eliminated. But Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg has become 
you know, kind of the poster child for the, hey, you know what? Uh, here's the deal. Everyone should drive an electric car. Who cares if you can't recycle it? Who cares if you wind up mining lithium and that's worse for the environment? Who cares if the electric power grid in the U.S. can barely handle if every federal employee were driving an electric car, let alone the entire mass population? And oh, by the way, what does it do long term? Does it reduce carbon emissions? Well, by definition, obviously it does. But does it ultimately cause more pollution? Does it cause more damage? Well, Let's add something else to that, too. And that is the fact that Pete Buttigieg has run into a bit of a problem. And really, the problem is simply accountability. Every time the climate crowd wants to lecture and scold Americans who drive big gas-guzzling cars, invariably, it's pretty easy to say, when you point one finger at me, there are three more fingers pointing back at you. The yachts that are owned by climate activists like Leonardo DiCaprio are far worse for the carbon imprint of the world or footprint than maybe your gas-guzzling Volkswagen Jetta. And then there's the airplane travel. Do airplanes really burn cleaner than cars? And do they not run on some kind of fuel that has a fossil connected to it? On the Outnumbered program on Fox News Channel the other day, it was brought to the attention of the outnumbered, by the way, is a program. It's kind of like the view that ABC produces. I believe ABC, well, they broadcast it. The view is uh, the idea. It's been around for a long time. Barbara Walters founded it with Whoopi Goldberg and Joy Behar and other uh, mostly liberal pundits. Uh, Cam Candace Cameron Bure was the lone conservative for a couple of years. And so was Elizabeth Hasselbeck. But it's women talking about the issues, take their point of view. And it grew in popularity until Fox Lunch outnumbered that runs typically around the same time with four conservative women and then one guy, usually a conservative as well. And so the guy is outnumbered. That's the whole point, right? Well, the guy they chose for their last uh, was it, uh, viewing of this program uh, about a week ago is the president of the Frederick Douglass Society, Rob Smith, who is African-American conservative and gay. So he kind of checks off all the boxes the same way Pete Buttigieg does. And he brought up something about the Secretary of Transportation who says, I'm the guy who says we should have more government action to curb carbon emissions. And all he did was ask the question is, well, how many times has he taken a flight on a private jet to get to where he needs to get using taxpayer funding? Is that the kind of government action he's talking about? We'll see what the numbers say about the Secretary of Transportation's pitch to end climate problems and steps that he's personally taking. Uh, we'll talk about that on the other side of this break as the bottom line continues. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. You still have a few moments left to call in for the one copy of Raymond Arroyo's book called The Wise Men Who Found Christmas. It's up at thebottomlineshow.com. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through. We're giving away one copy between now and the top of the hour. So you got a couple minutes left to get your name in the drawing and see if you're going to win. Speaking of Fox, where Raymond is a regular contributor to, you see him on Shannon Bream's program, Laura Ingram, and others. He may have actually even been on Outnumbered at one point. Outnumbered, the female-driven program where they have four female commentators and one guy. On a ep recent episode, Rob Smith, who's the, the president of the Frederick Doug Douglass Society, who is a gay African-American conservative, uh, asked whether or not Pete Buttigieg should be called into account from the fact that 
This is a guy who would probably throw his hat in the ring again. He ran for president in 2020. He may run for president again in 2024. And yet, this is a guy who, since he's been in office as the Department of uh, Transportation Secretary, so over the course of just under two years, he's taken at least 18 flights on private jets with funds drawn from your tax dollars and mine. And Rob Smith's question was, well, if you are the one, I mean, here's what he said. Shouldn't anyone who espouses that hyper-moralism in terms of environmentalism, that we should stop flying planes and stop driving cars to reduce carbon emissions, shouldn't they be the ones who have to live the most stringent lives in terms of keeping themselves from enjoying luxuries like private plane travel? It's a fair question. And we'll put the article up. You can read the, the whole account up at thebottomlineshow.com. But I do want to bring up one point. Rather than this, using this as a dog pile moment. Yeah, let's you know, pile on this guy. Yeah, yeah, see, what about ism? And you know, we're right and whatever. May I submit to us as Christians that a moment like this gives us a teachable moment to have the conversation with somebody who might be a bit more passionate about preserving and protecting the environment. Do we as Christians have a mandate from God to take care of the environment? Absolutely. Should we be mindful of how much electricity we're burning or fossil fuel? Of course. Of course. I I never would suggest that you shouldn't. At the same time, can we ask the question, well, who are we looking to who are examples? I'll never forget the actor Ed Begley Jr. Remember that guy? He was on a lot of different shows in the 70s and 80s. And he was a huge proponent of saying, I want alternative fuels for gasoline. I want to burn things cleaner and save the environment. And he was one of those guys who, he had a a Ford Mustang, classic Mustang, if I recall, and maybe a Mercedes as well, that ran on vegetable oil. And I always thought that was cool. I I wouldn't do it, but he would go to restaurants where they had, you know, they would, the, the oil that they would just ordinarily, you know, dump in the ocean or wherever they'd put it. And he had a, a converted engine in his car. It looked kind of funky. And literally, he could fill up and run his vehicle on vegetable oil. And I thought, well, good for you, dude. I mean, that's a solution. And hopefully, it burns cleaner than gasoline or diesel fuel. But I think here's the, 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 the reason why I, I stress this. It's one thing to point this out. And it is Hippocratic to the, you know, to the hilt. But... If we don't take Paul's advice in 1 Corinthians 13, 1, where he says, now let me show you a more excellent way. I think one of the ways that we will win more people to faith in Christ, that that one thing, uh, part of the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus said, let your light so shine before others, well, they were, well, they were where they will see your good deeds and glorify your Father who is in heaven. What they're going to see as those good deeds are those examples that we're just talking about. Instead of just saying, I'm criticizing you. Ha ha, I win the internet today. It's, wow, that looks like it's kind of hypocritical for him to do that. Let's find a more excellent way to preserve the environment. Let's not try to shut down the whole auto industry and petroleum, which has been so beneficial in so many ways for mankind. Let's find cleaner ways to use this fuel, maybe even preserve it a little bit more. So I, I submit this to you simply as an example of how we as Christians can show the more excellent way of Christ. That is good news indeed, and that's the bottom line. We'll take a quick break here for those who are on KCBC. It's time for Rabbi Schneider and Discovering the Jewish Jesus. For those who remain on the network here, it's this week's edition of the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast. Coming up next as the bottom line continues.